husband in Venice jumped off the Sunshine Skyway Bridge and everybody thought it's a wonderful, loving, happy family. Suicides are up uh, off the Skyway Bridge. I think there were 15 last year. Suicides. You see, for us, most of us here, Christmas is a time of sweet fellowship. For others, it's a time of suffocating loneliness. And how sad that is. Because, friend, God is with us. That's what God says to us in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, the reason for Christmas itself. What happened, what it's all about. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. God came, he was with us that first Christmas 2,000 years ago, but friend, he is with us today. And he'll be with us forever. We are, our theme is God with us this, uh, this Christmas season. And I thought about this fact that, you know, if, uh, if every story ever written, every song ever composed, if you were able to, to put all that into a computer and calculate it, what would be the number one theme of songs and stories? I'm certain it would be love. And you see, that tells us some important things about us. It tells us that love is the most important or the most powerful dynamic of our lives. Or the lack thereof. It tells us that love is our greatest need. It tells us that we were created to be loved and then to give love by God. Uh, Mike uh, mentioned yesterday uh, the 350 ladies at the Christmas tea. It was a wonderful experience and uh, raised, uh, you know, almost $2,500 uh, for those, those ladies in, in Uganda who have to support their families and for the means who are ministering to them in work projects. And... Uh, also, to almost $2,500 for Bridge of Life here, foster kids and uh, adopted kids in our community. Uh, one of the things, uh, Megan, uh, Megan Berkey spoke yesterday and did an amazing job. One of the things she did was to recommend Hallmark movies. <laughs> and all the ladies here, of course, you're laughing and she recommended them so highly that uh, last night, guess what uh, we watched at our house? <laughs> Josh and me and Donna watched one. And the beautiful thing about them is that they're love stories. And did you know that God writes Christmas love stories? You ever thought about that? I mean, what's the story of Mary and Joseph? It's a love story. And, and in fact, the, the entire Christmas story is a love story. It's the story of God loving you, even if you're not loving him back. 
God loving you. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. What? Let's read it. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and let's think about some of the details here. Joseph probably would have been about 20 years old, uh, living in the village of Nazareth. Uh, but, you know, he was a carpenter, but you know what else? He, was, he could have been the star of The Bachelor on TV in Nazareth. He was an eligible bat bachelor. He, he was strong. He, he was self-supporting. Uh, Mary, on the other hand, she probably would have been younger than Joseph, maybe 15 or so, and she would have noticed Joseph the carpenter, and she may have even hinted... Uh, Hey, uh, Father, do you know Joseph the carpenter? He's nice. And then Mary's mother would have chimed in. Yeah, he's a, he's a good man, strong, but kind, hardworking. He sure would make a good husband. And all the other young unmarried girls in Nathos probably had their eye on Joseph too, <laughs> and so did their fathers. Why? Because marriage customs were a lot different than they are here in our day. How many of you have seen Fiddler on the Roof? Okay, well, see, you're scholars on Jewish marriage customs, right? You know, you know all about that. There are basically three stages to marriage, uh, for marriage, back in Mary and Joseph's day. The first would have been the contract. The second would have been the consummation. And the third, the celebration. Now, stage one. And that's where Matthew chapter 1 starts here. See, Mary's father would have probably gone to Joseph to tell him what a fine wife Mary would make. And he would just get, say, you know what, and I like you so much that, Joseph, I am giving you the first shot. Well, Apparently, Joseph agreed, and then they would have struck up a deal. They would have set a dowry, a cash price. Joseph would pay Mary's family for the loss of such a wonderful lady, and a contract would be signed. Now then, Mary and Joseph, they would then, uh, they'd continue to live in their own homes with their parents, okay? But from that point on, they were regarded as married, okay? The contract had been drawn up. And breaking a marriage contract was serious. It was called a divorce because in the eyes of it, they were married. And so in this first stage, Mary and Joseph would get to know each other, and that's kind of like our, our dating time here, our going out time, okay? Except they didn't go to Starbucks or dinner in a movie. They went for walks, and uh, they certainly they dined with each other's family, okay? Well, then that brings in stage two. In stage two, Joseph would finish building a room, probably a room, onto his parents' house, certainly on their property. And, and that new home, or that new room, or that new home would be for Mary and him to start their family. And during this time, Mary would be sewing clothing, she would be making home furnishings, etc. 
And then, you know, after a year or so and everything was finally ready, this is where it really gets uh, exciting and interesting. Joseph would lead a procession of his family and his friends to Mary's house. And she'd be waiting. She'd be waiting with her family, with her friends, with her wedding party. And then all the guests would wait in the house. And the couple would leave and go and consummate their marriage. Uh, a little awkward there. I'm glad we don't do it that way anymore. Uh, but then, stage three, Mary and Joseph would return, and there'd be a wedding feast with, you know, with Jewish guys crossing their leg or their arms and, you know, uh, dancing off the heels in their boots and stuff. You, you know, you've, you've seen this on Fiddler on the Roof, right? A big celebration. The Christmas story begins with Mary and Joseph in stage one. They're married, but they're not living together. They're getting to know each other. They're falling in love. And friend, that's what God created us for. God created us for love. God created us for loving relationships with him and with others. Us loving God, us loving others. A husband and wife loving each other. Loving each other so much they won't have children, so they all love each other together. Children loving their mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. And, and it doesn't stop with families. God created us to love our neighbor. Now, who's our neighbor? That doesn't mean just the guy that lives next door. No, that's people that God has put around us at work or at school or wherever that might be. And we're to love them as we love ourselves. Now, wait a minute. That sounds pretty much impossible. To love others like that? Impossible. No, it is possible. It is possible because we, if we accept Christ as our Savior and as our Lord, then the Spirit of God comes to live in us. God with us. And friend, if the Spirit of God is in us, what's that Spirit like? Well, it tells us God is love. That is His nature. Now, He's not just some force of love. He's just not some ooey-gooey feeling. No, He is a real personal God, okay? But his nature is love, and everything that he does grows out of his love. John was uh, one of Jesus' disciples. He was a fisherman, but he became a follower of Jesus, and he experienced that love. He saw it in Jesus, and he wanted that in his life. And then years later, he wrote this in 1 John four sixteen. We have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in, him, in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now, th there are a lot of great love stories, all right? If I went around the room, many of you say, well, my favorite love story is this. Uh, this week, uh, we heard a lot about the love story of George and Barbara Bush, didn't we? The love he had for 
his wife, Barbara. The love he had for their four sons. The love uh, that they had for their daughter, Dorothy. The love they had for their daughter, Robin, who died of leukemia when she was only three years old. And his son, George W. Bush, concluded his eulogy. He said he believed his father was in heaven, hugging Robin and holding Mom's hand again. We were created for love. We were designed for loving relationships. It is so wonderful when that's a reality in our life. Friend, don't you want that? And, and don't you want what uh, what the, the, uh, Bush 43 was talking about? That one day when this life is over, that you are with your loved ones in God's heaven? We can be. That's not just pie in the sky. That's what God designed us for. God loves us so much he wants us to come and live in his heaven and be united with loved ones too. And that's why he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what God wants, loves for you, wants for you because God is love. But we're not there yet, are we? This isn't heaven. Don and I say that all the time. When we start complaining, when we start getting disappointed about what's not right, this isn't heaven. We're not there yet. And this isn't heaven. And your love story, my love story here on earth, it's going to have unexpected twists and turns and tragedies, don't they? I mean, can't you just imagine the emotional bombshell that exploded when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant? They were legally married, not living together, not having relations. But can you imagine what happened when he found out? What did he say? I wonder what he said. Did he say, Mary, how could you? I love you and I thought you loved me. And we were doing this right. We were honoring God. We were honoring our families. We were honoring each other. And now you do this? If he didn't say it, he was certainly thinking it. Some of you suffered the agony of adultery, of a broken vow. You know the bitter pain of betrayal. I wonder what Mary said. Well, we have an indication that she said something like this. She, she said, Joseph, I, I know this sounds crazy, but an angel appeared to me and told me well, I was going to have a baby. And when I told him that's impossible because I'm a virgin, he said, not with God. God designed the birth process. He can overrule it if he wants. Mary the Holy Spirit of God will come upon you and father this child in your womb because this child is the only begotten Son of God who will save his people from their sins. He's the Messiah. 
And as Joseph listened to Mary, I'm sure he was trying so hard to believe her. But everybody knows there's only one way to get pregnant, right? And Joseph hadn't done it. Did Joseph walk away in silence or storm away screaming liar? Did Mary just burst into a flood of tears? We don't know. But however it went down, it, it, it didn't go good. Maybe that's why in Luke chapter 1 we read that Mary, during this time, went away. She went to spend three months with her cousin Elizabeth, who lived 80 miles away. Maybe they thought this will be a time for Mary's family to figure out what to do, or maybe it'd be give Joseph a time to accept it, whatever. But anyway, the lovers parted in pain and anger and distrust that was threatening to end their love story. And it sure didn't seem like God was with us to Mary and Joseph. Now you've been through some crisis when you felt like God you, you said you'd be with me but I don't see you with me I don't see you with me now when I need you the most and friend when Mary and Joseph most doubted God being with them God was with them the most when Mary and Joseph most doubted God being with them, God was with them the most. We know that. We can read the whole story now. But you see, that brings up another truth, number three, that God births love and grows love in us from him, but also in his family. You see, Luke, Luke 1 goes on and tells us about Mary's journey to go see her cousin Elizabeth. It couldn't have been easy. Joseph didn't believe her. Her family didn't believe her. Would Elizabeth believe her? Luke chapter 1 tells us how Elizabeth responded when she saw Mary. Verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. And why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Oh, Mary. You're blessed. You're blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now here's Mary just burdened down with all kinds of fears and frustrations that nobody believes her. Can you imagine her relief, her joy when Elizabeth does? Elizabeth, who herself was way past childbearing, she was pregnant with a miracle child too, John the Baptist. You see, Elizabeth knew that God was with her. And she knew that God was with Mary too. And they encouraged one another, friend. 
God is with you. God is with you in the problems that you're going through. And he promised to work all things together for good to them who love God and do his will. Did he did that for Mary and Joseph? Yes, and he wants to do it for you. And he wants to do it for you. God is love. God is love. And God provided just the love that Mary needed through human beings, through someone else in the family of God. And Christian, that's God's plan. God is going to give you love, but he is also going to give you love through others so that you in turn will love others. Oh, that's God's plan. That's how he does it. That we receive the love of God from God and from others in the family of God. Mary got that from Elizabeth. But wait a minute, what about Joseph? She wasn't getting much love and encouragement from him. In the middle of their love story, Mary was not giving the love she needed from Joseph. Well, God's got that under control, doesn't he? Let's see what God is doing back in Nazareth. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Joseph, to whom Mary was engaged, was a righteous man. He wanted to do what was right. He didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to divorce her quietly. Remember, legally they were married. See, God knew all the hurt in Joseph's heart. And so he sent an angel to him, and the angel said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this occurred. See, God wrote the love story before it ever started. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. God knew all the hurt in Joseph's heart. And God gave Joseph the assurance that he needed to trust Mary. Because Mary had a word from God. He needed to trust Mary. He needed to trust her love. And ultimately, Joseph needed to trust God in his love to make a way for them in their unbelievable, dangerous, supernatural, and ultimately triumphant love story. Friend, what's your love story going to turn out to be? God loves you. We love him and trust him. Joseph chose to trust God. He took Mary as his wife, even though I'm sure he had unbelieving friends who told him he was being taken for a fool. But he believed God. God made us to find true, eternal love in God and in the family of God. You see, we try to find love in all kinds of things. It isn't true love. It's not eternal love. God made us to find true eternal love in God 
and in the family of God. Now some people, a lot of people in fact, I've been asked this question so many times. This question, wait a minute. If God is a God of love, then how could he condemn people to hell? Ever been asked that? Ever wondered it yourself? If God's a God of love, then why would he condemn someone to hell? Friend, he doesn't. He doesn't. And that's the fourth principle we want to talk about today, that, see, God's love rescues us. Us rejecting his love condemns us. That's what it says in, in John 3, 16, and then 17. We know John 3, 16. John 3, 17 goes with it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not be condemned, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And see, the reality is God doesn't condemn us. It's us. If we don't want to follow Christ as our Savior and Lord, then we're saying to God, I don't want Jesus to be my king right now. Forever. We choose our eternal kingdom. God sent a Savior out of his love. If we reject that love, we're choosing not to enter into that kingdom. God's love rescues us. Us rejecting that love is what would condemn us. Number five, we find love when we let God's love fill us and overflow us. Oh, this is, this, this is the word of the Lord. First John 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. That's real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, when we let God's love fill us, then we know true love. We experience that and then we share it with others. First Thessalonians 3.12, Paul prayed, May the Lord pour on the love so that it fills your lives and splashes on everyone around you. If we truly love God, it's going to fill us and it's going to overflow us and we'll be able to love others as well. The Christmas story is a love story. It's a love story between Mary and Joseph. But friend, it's a love story of God's love for you and for me. And 
receive that love? Do we celebrate a Christmas in that spirit that it's all about God and his great love for us? Because, and this is so important, number six, Christmas that's focused on me is going to leave me empty and selfish. Mary and Joseph love wasn't for them only. Now, Mary and Joseph, they had a love story. Mary and Joseph were in it together, their long journey to Bethlehem, that scary night looking for a place to stay when there was no room in the inn, that, that terrifying moment when Mary's contractions were about to explode. But then, finally, the joy of holding Jesus in their arms. I mean, can you imagine the joy that flooded over them right now? But again, friend, true love, it's not just for us. It's not just for ourselves. That's, that's selfishness. It's for others. So an angel invited some probably unloved shepherds to experience the genuine love with Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus that night. <laughs> if you were God, would you have chosen some dirty, smelly shepherds? God did. I think they needed to experience God's love that night. Maybe that was the first time they ever felt loved in their life. And friend, Christmas, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, all right? But Jesus didn't make it about him. He made it about others. He didn't come to this earth for his sake. He came for yours. He came for mine. He came for the sake of every person he ever created. And, and, and so, so Christed, Jesus followers, fellow Jesus followers, Christmas shouldn't be all about us. It, should be, it shouldn't be all about presence. It all shouldn't be all about our place. It shouldn't even be all, all about our family. Because that makes it still all about us. Last week we talked about what a true Christmas spirit is. It's having the spirit that Christ had when he came to this earth. Having a spirit and an attitude and actions like Jesus. It's... It's having a Christmas, not just for ourselves who know Jesus, but making it for those who don't as well. The Christmas spirit, true Christmas spirit, is a Christmas not just for our church. It's for our community. We talked about this in the elders and governing board, and we prayed, oh God, would you help us to make this Christmas? Let, let's be a church that really serves Jesus and others. Let's be a church that makes this Christmas about us carrying out Jesus' last command to, to go into the, our world and make disciples, bring others into the love of God. And that's why we're still here. That's why Jesus hasn't come back again. Because you and I know people that don't know him yet. And we're the ambassadors. Well, let's ask God, let's believe God to use us to bring others to him. Let's invite others to our Christmas events. Thank you, ladies. 
just a half so of, of the ladies there were guests. You invited some people, some ladies who really needed to hear a message of love. And God, God spoke through Megan. And God, God's Holy Spirit is continuing to speak to them today. That, that, that's what it's about. Hey, we've got more things. Next Sunday night, we're going to have a bonfire. It's not going to rain next Sunday night. We're going to have a bonfire. Five o'clock, we're going to start with a barbecue supper. Uh, we're going to have a big bonfire here. We're going to have hay rides. Are we doing this because we need to have a lot of fun at Christmas time? No, we're doing this because we want to let people know that the love of Christ is in us. That Jesus is our Savior and our Lord and our King, and, and we want them to know him too. You know somebody who needs Jesus. Let's invite them. Let's invite them to the bonfire next week. Let's invite them to our, our Sunday services where we talk about this love. Christmas Eve. I know you got some friends who say they would never come to church. You know, they probably would if you invite them Christmas Eve. Statistics say about half the people who, who don't go to church at all, they would go on Christmas Eve. But only if somebody invites them. They're not going to show up on their own. They're only going to come if someone invites them. Let's be a church. Let's be Christians who are like Christ. And Christmas isn't all just about us and for us. It's for those who need him. Uh, last week we gave you an invite card in the bulletin, and, and some of you have given those away. Uh, praise God. Some of you haven't do it, done it yet. Oh, I encourage you, if you need more, there at each of the doors as you leave today. You know somebody who needs Jesus. Pray. I know you'll be scared, you're afraid to invite some people. Ask God to give you the courage to do that. As we close, friend, our theme is God with us. And there are some of us here today, we don't feel God's with us. We're going through stuff and we just don't think, no, he's not. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. God is with you. Now, maybe you're not with him. Maybe you're kind of trying to hold God, you know, uh, at arm's length. You know, you're kind of stiff-arming God. You, you want him in your corner if you really get into trouble, but you don't want him too close for various reasons. Come to God because he came to you. He came to you and Jesus 2,000 years ago. And for those who invite him into their life, the spirit of God, he sends his spirit to live in us. That is God with us. He promises to work all things together, all the problems you're going through together for good. One day, one day, to all those who love God, and do his purposes, his will in their lives. God is with us. Now that's worth celebrating, and we can't keep it to ourselves. Shall we pray? Oh, God, this... this
this is hard for us humans to, to really grasp. It was so hard for Joseph to believe Mary. It was so hard for him to believe that the Spirit of God came on her and the child that was in her womb was divinely conceived. Lord, most of us wouldn't believe that if somebody had told us that. But God, it was true. It was true because of your great love for us. It was true because, God, you were not confined by the natural laws of reproduction that you established anyway. Lord God, we praise you. God, I praise you that your son Jesus, sitting at the, your right hand in the, on the throne of heaven, was willing to step off that throne and come to this earth knowing he was going to die. That's love. That's true love. That's eternal love. And God, that's the love that you want us to experience. That's the love you want us to receive from you, and that's the love you want us to give to others. Oh, God, we praise you for these truths, these realities. We praise you that, yeah, we have a lot of problems and conflicts here on this earth. One day they're going to end. One day the Lord Jesus Christ is come again, coming back. Christmas 2. And you're going to make everything right. You're going to usher in the kingdom of God. There'll be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more no suffering, no more conflict, no more death, no more dying. God, we praise you. It's all because of your love. And God, you are with us. And, and, and friend, just let me say, if this is, wow, I didn't really get that before. Jesus wants to come and be born in me, just like he was born 2,000 years ago. He wants to be born in me, the Spirit of God living in me. The Spirit of God loving me, the Spirit of God working in my situation and helping me with my needs and my problems, God. Oh, Lord, I just praise you. And friend, if you, if you haven't known Jesus, if you haven't been following him, that's what God created you for. And following Jesus is the, is the most important decision you'll ever make because he's the only one that can usher you through God's gates of heaven. He's the only one who died for your sins. The only one who can forgive them. The only one who can present you to the Father. The only one who can permit you to live in the kingdom of God forever and ever where he will rule and reign. Hallelujah. Invite him in today. Invite him in. Christian, uh, John wrote, the Lord is standing at the door of your heart. He's knocking. He wasn't writing to unbelievers. He's writing to believers. He's writing to Christians. We can kind of push God out of our busy schedules, our busy lives. We need to invite him in. God with us. God with us. Loving us. Helping us to love others. Oh, Father, we praise you. We praise you for the Christmas story. It's a love story. It's a love story between humans. It's beautiful and it's wonderful. And, and God, I just pray there's a lot of people here today kind of love-starved in their families. 
Oh God, would you meet us? That's so hard. That's so difficult. God, meet them. Help them. Strengthen them. Use them. But dear Lord, the most amazing thing, if that never happens with others, it happens with you. You loving us perfectly, eternally. And we thank you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.